On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, they came to the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very long trumpet blast. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. On the cloud-covered summit of Mount Sinai, God handed down the rules for how the Israelites were to relate to God and to each other. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery and you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All right, good morning. Good to be with you in worship this morning. I'm Pastor Andrew. Thanks for being here today. We are on week five of the story. And uh, we, what we're doing is taking the look, uh, we're taking a look over the next three summers, this is, we're ready, week five of eight, uh, we are going to be looking at the entire biblical narrative, kind of the overarching big picture of what the Bible's story is. And, and as we do that, we're looking at this big picture biblical story, we're, we're, we're learning about 
who God is and what he's doing on the big picture level. And we see that by examining the specific characters that God is working through, right? And that when we do that, we then can apply it to our own lives and learn how that same God is active today in our own lives. And so we're on week five of the story. And so last week, we, we picked up with a huge, important story, one of the cornerstone stories in the Christian faith and in the Hebrew-Jewish faith. And this week, we're kind of getting the back half of what happened. So last week, we talked about a specific person who was kind of a catalyst for God bringing deliverance to his people. His people, the Hebrew nation, they were called Hebrews, they were enslaved in Egypt. And God intervened in such a way through a specific person to bring about deliverance from slavery. Uh, that one particular person, he was floated in a basket, he looks like Charlton Heston with a big beard. Anyone remember his name? Moses! Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. So, you're on the same page. We're picking up with Moses again. The same biblical character that we were tracking with last week is actually continuing on into this week. We're getting the latter half of the story uh, in relation to Moses' experience and that of the Hebrew people. So God has just delivered the Hebrew people from slavery, set them on a new path and a new trajectory. And what God does is he sits down with, with Moses and he says, Moses, look, I delivered my people with an intent, with a purpose, and, and I want you to see and understand what that purpose is. It comes from Exodus 19. This is the second book of the Bible. If you've got your Bibles, you want to open to it or a Bible app, we're in 19 here. Uh, we are going to be moving quickly, though, through a bunch of different chapters today. Um, so this is what God kind of lays out about his people that he just delivered. He says, look, Moses, indeed, the whole earth is mine. The entire earth, the whole earth is mine. But you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. So I'm looking at the entire world, Moses, and I have chosen this specific people for a specific purpose. I'm setting them apart and differentiating them from the rest of the world. And I'm going to set them apart as a priestly kingdom and a holy nation that's going to reflect my own character and what's important to me as God. See, I'm setting you apart so that when other nations and other peoples look at you and they see you, they are going to ask questions about why do you live that way? Why do you do what you do? And that will provide an opportunity for you to tell them about me, your God. And so I am setting my people apart as this priestly kingdom in this holy nation. And the way that I do that is through the Ten Commandments. How many of you have heard about the Ten Commandments prior to coming to church this morning? Yes! Okay. Almost everybody, Christian, non-Christian, many, 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 many people around the world are familiar with or have heard about the Ten Commandments. And so what the Ten Commandments are, God says, I'm going to set aside my people. The way that I'm going to do that is by asking them to live in a way that reflects my priorities and who I am. And so he gives them the Ten Commandments as a way to do that. And so the first commandment is the big one. I am your God. Don't worship any other gods. Stick with me. I'm going to stick with you as my people. And so these first couple commandments in the, in the Ten Commandments, the first four have to do with how the people relate to God. And then the second half of the Ten Commandments, the latter six, have to do with how people interact 
with one another? How, how do people, as part of God's family, how are they supposed to interact in a way that reflects God's own character? And so things like don't murder, don't steal, don't covet a bunch of stuff. And so God gives them the Ten Commandments and says, Will you live reflecting my character by adhering to the Ten Commandments? So Moses comes on down from the mountain. He's been hanging out on a mountain talking with God while he's doing this. He comes on down, he goes to the people, and he says, Okay, guys, here's the plan. God delivered us. God chose us. And he's inviting us. He's asking us to live according to these Ten Commandments. We're going to be his people, and he's going to be our God. And to do that, to cement that, to show that, we need to live by these Ten Commandments. What do you think? Here's how the people respond. Exodus 24, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will do. And we will be obedient. A.K.A., yup, I'm on board, let's make it happen, God. Yes, we're doing it. We will be the people that you have asked us to be, and you will be our God. And so we will begin to live in such a way that adheres to the Ten Commandments and other requests that you place upon us to set us apart. Well, this sounds pretty good. I mean, this is, this is pretty great. There, that God is entering into kind of a, the, the word is covenant. Have you guys ever heard the word covenant before? An agreement, a promise. God is promising to be their God. And the people are saying, yes, we promise to live in such a way that reflects you. And, and, and the way this is all cemented is, is that Moses actually takes some animals, kills them, takes their blood, dips a fern, and then starts sprinkling the people. I won't do it for you this morning, don't worry. But you guys might have experienced this before in like a church where they do that with water. Have you guys ever seen that before? You ever bumped into that maybe? Where they, you get sprinkled? It's like, wow, I didn't know I was going to get sprinkled today. An extra shower. Yeah. Well, this is the same kind of idea. The idea was you kill this animal and you seal the deal with blood. It's kind of like writing your name with blood. Okay? It's, it's, a, it's a serious thing. The people of God, the Hebrews, have said, yes. We commit to you just as you are committed to us. It's kind of like spitting in your hand. Put it there. It's a deal. Make sense? So everything sounds really good. Everything looks really good. The people are on board. God is on board. And so the idea, again, the overarching idea is that the people will begin to reflect to those outside God's character. So the rest of the world begins to know God through this people. Six weeks goes by. God is looking at Moses and says, Hey, Moses, come chill with me up on the mountain. I got a couple more things I want you to jot down in addition to the original ten. Okay? I got some more laws. I have some more things, some more ways to distinguish you from the rest of the world. And so Moses goes up on the mountain again with God. And, and God and him have a conversation. And he learns about a whole bunch of other things that God asks of the Hebrew people. Everything from like how you wash your hands to what you wear, what you cook what you eat, and the whole point is, again, to distinguish themselves. So Moses is hanging out on the mountain, talking with God. Time is passing, and the people down below are like, you know, twiddling their thumbs. They're hanging out. And as time goes on, they start looking up the mountain, and they think, what happened to Moses, man? Like, he fall off the mountain or something? Is he gone? Is he gone? Is he not coming back? 
I bet you he's not coming back. And, and that whole God thing, you know, if he left us, God probably left us too. You know what? Let's make our own gods. And so all the, all the people get together, and ladies sacrifice their jewelry. So all the guys and girls, you get all your piercings and all this, that, and the rings, and, and they throw it all in a big pot, and they melt it down, and they fashion themselves what's called a golden calf. How many of you have heard about the story of the golden calf before? Yes. Okay, many of you. This would not be on the highlight reel of Israel's greatest moments. Okay? This is not like one of those moments that we're proud of in our, ba- in our past as, as, as faith people. Because what they do is, within six weeks, they break the first and most important commandment. The very first one. They can't even get to ten. They break the first one. That you shall have no other gods before me, that you will not create and fashion other gods or, or, or bronze and idols. And that's what they do. And so God looks at this. He's hanging out with Moses, giving a whole bunch more laws. He notices that his people, within six weeks, have broken the very promise they just made. God is not very happy. As you can imagine. God's just not very happy about this whole thing. He's like, what the heck, Moses, we just made a deal, and now your, your, your people down there are dancing and, and having a hoopla around a false god? I just promised to you, and you just promised to me. He says, Moses, leave me alone. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. I'm going to destroy them. This was a bad idea. This did not work. They've already broken the first commandment. I'm taking them out. And and in view, Moses, you, I will make a great nation. I'm going to restart. I'm going to reset through you, Moses. Now Moses is a bright guy. He knows his history, and he says, God, you may want to pump the brakes on that one. Uh, we've actually been here before. We've tried this before. You see, there was a guy named Noah long ago where you hit the reset button. You said, I'm going to try and take one guy, and, and I'm going to reset the whole world. And you know what? Evil stuck around. And then you came to, to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to choose one guy, and I'm going to bless the whole world through this one guy. And, well, that's where we are today. We're dealing with Abraham's great, 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 great grandchildren. So choosing me probably ain't going to work. There's still going to be evil in the world. There's a deeper and bigger problem going on, God, that needs to be addressed. And God listens, and God hears, and God knows that he's right. There is a deeper issue at stake. And it is this. So often in our lives, so often in humanity and in the world, we aspire to be great. We aspire to be this fantastic, incredible person. We aspire to be great parents. We aspire to be great teachers. We aspire to be great businessmen. We aspire to live the way and re- live the way God asks us to allow our lives to reflect Him. We aspire to be good people to 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 really make a difference in this world. And we aspire to live in such a way that honors God. And we say, "Yes, I'm on board. Yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, yes, yes. Rah, rah, rah." And yet the reality of our actions, well, the reality of our actions tells a different story too often. 
You see, we say we're on board, and then in our actions, through decisions, through circumstances, too often what we aspire to be, who we aspire to be, doesn't match up with our actions and the decisions that we make that so often define our lives. You see, there's a gap. There is a gap between our aspirations of who we could be, who we want to be, who we aspire to be, and the reality of our decisions, and so often the choices we make. There is a gap. Let me give you a practical example of my own life where, where I, I aspire to be a law-abiding citizen. No reaction? I mean, are you kidding me? You've got to want to know what happens next. I aspire to be a law-abiding citizen. Okay? Is that fair to say? Like, I want to be a good, law-abiding citizen. I appreciate my government. The Bible talks a lot about honoring government, honoring those in authority, being grateful for those who, who, who care and protect us and watch over us and help manage in our lives and keep evil at bay. I genuinely, I desire, I aspire to be a law-abiding citizen. Fair enough? Okay. Well... Last Friday, as in like two or three days ago, uh, I was traveling along on Friday night. It was an evening hour. And it just so happened that as I was traveling along in the evening hour, I passed a wonderful gentleman who was uh, looking out for me and preserving my rights and my freedoms, an officer of the law in Grafton. And as I was driving past, I noticed in my rearview mirror that his lights came on and it happened to be right behind me. And I looked at my odometer and I said, I'm two over. I'm surprised. I am breaking the law. It's true. But normally for two over, I'm okay, right? Yeah, not so much. So I get pulled over. Okay, all right. The gentleman comes to the window and, hey, how's it going? What did I do? I'm so sorry. I aspire to be a law-abiding citizen. What's going on? The guy's a really nice guy. He says, you got a front headlight out. You have a front headlight out. See, you, you aspire to be a good citizen and obey the law, but you're driving around without a front headlight, and it's at night, man. Can't do that. So there is a gap between what I aspire to be as a law-abiding citizen, and, and the action was I, I had a light that was out. I hadn't noticed through my ignorance, through my decisions, whatever, I had a light out. So I got a citation. And so there was a gap. Now, in my situation, my gap got a little wider because not only did I have a headlight out, but you, you know the importance of registration for your vehicle? Yeah, learn from my mistakes, please. So I had months ago gone online and done the online registration stuff, right? Trying to get all set and squared away and all good because I aspire to be a law-abiding citizen, so I'm trying to match up my actions. Well, the Internet, for whatever reason, the transaction didn't go through, the website under maintenance, you know, that sort of thing. And so I, I, it didn't work. It, it just didn't work. And, and so I said, ah, I'll take care of it later. I'll do it snail mail. I'll send it in, whatever. I'll deal with it. Well, when I got pulled over and they ran my plates, the gap got just 
wider because I went from a headlight to a headlight without registration. You feeling me? I had to look at myself and acknowledge while I aspire to be a law-abiding, I love my government and those who serve it. I, I aspire to be the best responsible. I aspire to be responsible and, and to be a good steward of my life. And yet, sometimes there are situations and circumstances where I make decisions where my actions don't line up and then there's a gap. There is a gap between the person God has called me, invited me to be, and the decisions that lead me to my current state. There's a gap. We all have them, don't we? Think of the gaps in your life. I aspire to be a great parent. I aspire to be great at work. I aspire to be a great neighbor. I aspire to be a what? What is it in your life that you aspire to be? And yet, there seems to be, when you think about your actions, a gap. Too often, there's a gap. And so God is looking at the Israelites, they're at the Hebrew people, and they aspire to be his people, but their actions have created a gap. And the question becomes, what will God do? What will God do with the Hebrew people and this gap? What will God do with me and my gaps? What is God going to do with the reality that my aspirations don't always line up with my actions? What will God do? Here's what he does. comes in Exodus 34. The Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the former ones. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets, which you broke. Moses, get out the hammer and chisel, because I'm going to give my commandments again. Moses, I see the gap in my people and in their behavior and in their aspirations and actions. But what I am doing in this world is so much bigger and greater that I will continue to invite them to be my people. Moses, I know this may not make sense to a lot of people. I know that I'm angry. I know that I'm frustrated, Moses. But, but, but I love them. I am committed to them. And because of my commitment to them, I will continue to invite them to be the people I know they can be, the people that I aspire them to be. So Moses... Go get a hammer and chisel. I will carve once more the Ten Commandments and give to my people, this broken people who have gaps, the invitation to live my way and reflect my character. To embrace these Ten Commandments and the calling the calling on their lives. Why do I do this? How can I do this? It's because of who I am. It's because I'm giving you these commandments so that you reflect 
who I am. You want to know who I am? What better way for me to prove to you who I am? You see, Moses, I, I am the Lord. The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin and gaps. Moses, I am a God who forgives gaps. You see, through this story, you and I learn that we have a God who looks at us, forgives our gaps, and once more invites us to be his child and to live his way. A God who, who genuinely comes to us and says, I understand that sometimes it all doesn't match up. I forgive you and I'm asking you, please, be the person that you aspire to be, that I aspire you to be. Be a person who reflects my character, a person who reflects my generosity and kindness and grace in this world. Be a person who is slow to anger. Be a kind of person who is steadfast in love. Be the kind of person who is merciful and gracious to others. For I continue to be your God. Let me, as your God, inspire you to reach your aspirations. To be the best husband, to be the best worker, to be the best parent, the best servant. To be the best you. By my spirit and by my grace and by my power in this world. I forgive you. And I want to work with you to close the gaps. God forgives you. And he wants to work with you to close the gaps. I want to invite you this morning to examine your life. Think about and take seriously. I'm, uh, seriously. What are the gaps? Who do you aspire to be? And where are there times or places or situations where your actions don't line up with that? How you hold yourself, your reputation, how you use your resources. Where are the gaps? And what are the steps necessary to close those gaps? I shared with you one of my gaps. <laughs> You know what I did all day yesterday? Close the gap. I got a new headlight. I put it in the car. I went to a station. I registered my vehicle. And then I swung by the police station and said, Thank you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm closing the gap. Often in life, there are practical, simple things that we can do to close gaps. 
if you feel like you're unaware of gaps, if it feels like in your life it's hard for you to identify a gap, I encourage you to ask your spouse. Ask a friend, a confidant, a co-worker. I mean, you want to be really be humbled? Ask someone you trust. Ask them to share with you in a loving way. Hey, what are my gaps? I aspire to be... but sometimes I'm not. Where do you see that in me so that I can work on that? Because I want to be the best person God calls me to be. Take seriously and consider the gaps in your life. If you have a chance where somebody asks you that question, you then have a chance to preach to them that their gap is forgiven. This is the other piece. This is the other part. Yes, we have gaps, but we are not stuck in them. We do not fall down in our gaps. God forgives us, He renews us, and He restores us. The greatest expression of this is through the person of Jesus Christ, where God truly overcame and forgave every gap there was for all time. We are forgiven for all time. Your gaps are gone in God's memory. So live into your forgiveness and preach and convey that forgiveness to others. You will have a chance and opportunity as you meet people to say, look, I I understand. I'm bumped up against your gap, bumped up against something at work, bumped up against a person. You will have an opportunity then to reflect the character of God himself. You can be slow to anger and abounding in love. You can do this with your kids. You can do this with your friendships. Live in and out of God's forgiveness that you might share it with others. That is my exhortation to you this morning. Take your gaps seriously and then live in and live out of your forgiveness. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we confess to you that too often we fail to live up to the Ten Commandments. Shoot, just like the original Hebrews, we we ourselves often chase after other gods. We confess to you that we have a hard time getting past the first commandment. And for that, we are sorry. Father, we do aspire to be a people that honors you and loves you, that serves you and loves and serves and honors others. Too often our actions don't line up. We embrace your forgiveness this morning. We embrace what you have done for us and what you continue to do in us as you invite us to be your people once again this morning. We call upon you, Holy Spirit, and ask that you would empower us to live lives to the best that we can. Lives that reflect Christ. Help us reach the potential within us, the aspiration that we hold for ourselves, and that even more so, what you hold for us. Holy Spirit, empower us and embolden us to be the people that we can. Forgiven people, healed and renewed people, living life your way. We thank you that we can indeed continue to call upon you, pray to you, and give ourselves to you 
Because just as we now here commit ourselves to you, you have remained throughout time committed to us. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we do indeed pray. Amen. We are going to pause now and uh, receive our tithes and our offerings. Uh, If you're a guest with us, we say welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, As the baskets come, just pass the baskets on by. We never ask our guests to make a gift. If you're a covenant member and regular attendee, uh, we choose to embrace radical generosity around here because that's part of God's character. We choose to reflect his character. And so uh, thank you for those of you who embrace generosity. Thank you for those who already gave online. Today we get to celebrate what it looks like when we step into that. Uh, Not only do we get to share and reflect God's character to those around us, but actually all the way around the world. Today, we are celebrating the fact that our Addis Ethiopia uh, Strong Hearts Family Center has 16 new graduates going on through. All right. How cool is that? Aren't they cute? They got their green t-shirts and their little graduating caps and everything, right? This is awesome. This is, this is what generosity and God's character lived out looks like, tangibly, practically. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for reflecting his generosity. These 16 kids have, have worked and, and, and been blessed through and because of you. They have uh, now there's new opportunities as a result of this. I want to highlight for you, out in the atrium today, one of the TVs is set up. There's a computer there. You can go on the website and check out more about this family center. Maybe you know a little bit about it. Maybe you want to find out more about it. You can do that through the web and through the computer that's out there. Uh, if you want to uh, step into further generosity, sacrificial generosity, you can actually sponsor kids and families. This is an orphan prevention program that we uh, partner with this family center over there to keep families together to keep uh, moms and their kids together, specifically by providing nutrients, health, education, and most importantly, uh, the love of Christ uh, to these kids. And so I'd encourage you to consider it. Check it out online. Go out in the atrium and look at it. Uh, if maybe you were a sponsor of one of these kids, would encourage you then to look for a new kid. Uh, look for more ways to continue blessing. So we are just excited for these kids. During the week, say a prayer of thanksgiving that God has kind of cared for them and watched over them. And we have 16 new graduates. So we've got a couple more things for you uh, to, to check out. So I want you to keep looking at the screens and uh, a couple video announcements for you. Good morning, Christ Church. We're so glad you made the choice to join us in worship today. If this is your first Sunday with us, you can help us get to know you by using the communication card in your handout and bringing it to our welcome desk for a free gift and an optional building tour. You can also leave a card in the drop box 